There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. everybody and welcome to a special Christmas edition of the World Football Index Extra Podcast. Tonight we're going to try a completely different format. Uh, we're going to be trying to pick the best 11, starting 11 of our lifetime. And we'll also be picking five subs for the bench and a manager to manage our teams. Basically the criteria is any player who has played and any manager obviously who has played during your, the lifetime of the guests. Uh, can be selected and you can make your formations any way you want and your reasons why. There's a little montage coming up possibly of the names that you might be hearing or certainly some of the names that you might be hearing uh, as the series progresses. We're going to hopefully do two or three over the Christmas period. So fasten your seatbelts. I'm sure the debate will be lively. Here we go with the World 11 of our lifetime. Definitely out of in the middle. Further, and that was Nico oh, going up them again. Brilliant! 
Henderson, David Seaman's caught up his line, and Brazil take the lead. Messi now, everyone on the edge of their seats. Messi going for goal! This is Maradona, and he gets the ball to Galicia! For Ronaldinho, Rivaldo ahead of him, Ronaldo to his left, Ronaldinho looks to go to low, now he plays in Rivaldo! Gorincha, number 10 is Pele, Gorincha, you see he could do it too! Okay, so after our extensive intro, uh, it's time to introduce uh, who we have on the pod tonight. Um, and you should be familiar, the listeners of WFI will be familiar there, the, the crew from that epic uh, Italian 90 uh, pod that we did, and they're back to tell us uh, the, the, the top 11 of their lifetime. So really no, 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 need no introduction for Mr. Hendrick. How are you this evening, Dave? All set for Christmas, mate? Yeah, mate, just about. A little bit of last and a bits and bobs to pick up, but other than that, I'm all set. have everything wrapped, which is very unusual for me, but... God help you. You know... <laughs> I'll say I'm, I'm at the stage now. I don't even need to worry about it, and, and really, it's it's, it's hardly celebrated here. I was just saying to John before the pod. I'm just glad I never grew up a Brazilian child because it's a very poor Christmas time for you, you know. <laughs> uh, but but moving swiftly on, uh, John, yourself, all set for Christmas, mate. Very nice to have you back again. Yeah, Dave. Uh, great, great to be on. Looking forward to Christmas. I just hope this doesn't go on as long as the last one. It'll be second Boxing Day before we're. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is coming. Whatever, whatever you want to say, we'll, we'll crack on with it. So, uh, as I say, we're going to we're going to outline our our one to eleven of of the players of our lifetime that we that we fancy in a team. Uh, we're going to outline five substitutes and also a manager where we're going to begin with. And I suppose I'll I'll go last and some of the old fella um, heads or tails. Ah, Dave Hendrick, where you go? Who, who's your manager, Dave, and why? Arigo Saki. Um, I originally was going to go with Gustav Seves, the Hungarian legend, because I think he's influenced everybody in the last 30, 40 years from Rennes Michels on up, you know. But I think Saki, in terms of the modern game and where it's gone and the guys who are having the most success, Bar Guardiola, I think all of them point towards Saki and what he did with that Milan team to, like, what they aim to emulate. I think you see, and the fact that like we're Liverpool fans, and our manager's hero is Arrigo Saki, that kind of influenced me as well. Our, the last great manager we had was Rafa, and his idol was was Saki too. So I, I went with Saki. I just felt he was the best choice for what I would pick myself as the best eleven that I've seen. I would put any team that I want to play I would put them in the style of Saki and Diego Simeone is probably my favourite manager in the world right now and his idol in managerial football is Arrigo Saki so for me it was just the obvious pick no indeed um, I'm, I'm not a bad pick Very, <laughs> like let's face it it's hardly it's a hardly a bad choice for yourself John who, who, who did you opt for? 
Oh, this was so conflicting. Um, originally, I thought about it and I thought, Saki. Uh, I think, Dave, when we were on, Dave Hendrick, this is going to be fucking confusing, having two Daves. Uh, I'll just say Dave Hitch. Um, I, I remember when we first initially talked about this, like, Saki was the first name sprung to mind, and for, uh, for all the reasons Dave's outlined there. And then I thought, right, what's the rules here? Manager over my time. Um, watching football and Dave C you're gonna you're not gonna like this but you're not gonna I, fucking Ferguson are you I am I'm gonna oh, go for fuck. Ferguson yeah um, throw him off I, throw him off the podcast immediately yeah that's it no, no more <laughs> W5 for John this will be his last appearance on this podcast he shall not be named I've <laughs> never never used the C word on any pod but I'm close I am listen, fucking close <laughs> listen he's <laughs> it's uh Oh, l- listen, for me, I've always had the misgivings with Ferguson about his European record, etc., compared to the likes of Saki and uh, and Paisley and, in particular. But I was actually looking at it and thinking, right, from the time I've really been following football, going right back from Aberdeen, um, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a, he wasn't a genius innovator like, like, like Saki was. But he was a genius in another way, in the way that he overhauled a, a, a massive football club that was in, seemed to be terminal decline. Um, and I think the ability, if you look at Saki, you know, there was four years of, I'd agree with, with, with Dave Hendrick, you know, there in unparalleled genius, and we'll probably get him talking about him, but. Um, what Ferguson done was just that regeneration of teams over such a sustained period and especially now when you look at the state, you know, you look at the, the heap that Man United are up in at the minute um, and you realise that, you know, the, the, the teams that he, he made winners and, and obviously that treble and stuff. So it's through gritted teeth, but I wanted to bring a bit of variety to the conversation as well. So. No, I've, I, I've couldn't, gone I couldn't with, disagree I've, with you, John. You know, he I've was gone with exceptional, <laughs> yeah. exceptional manager. His record speaks for itself. He was a man manager and a motivator. You, you know what I mean? Um, as I say, he, he started slowly at United, but he built something. And I think that's, that's a lesson for us all in, in, uh, you know, in sticking by a manager maybe at times. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> maybe, or maybe just like to pass <laughs> over that. Apart no, from like, throw him off, throw him off. <laughs> he, he, you, you can't argue with the record. Like what he's done, the CV is incredible. I, I actually look at his Aberdeen days and I'm I'm actually more impressed by what he did there. Yeah, I think you won yeah. the cup winners up there. Yeah, and he, he and he broke up the the old Beat firm. Real Madrid. And he broke the old, old firm domination. Um yeah. like I think if you look at his United record, obviously the the one thing that stands out above everything else is the longevity because I think our own Bob Paisley has obviously a better European record and a better per season record in terms of trophies won, but that longevity to stay at a top club and like that long, like you think of it, his his real dominance started with the the Cup Winners Cup. Was it ninety one? They won the Cup Winners Cup. Yeah, that's right. And then it just took off from there. I know they'd won the FA Cup be- like the year before, but when they won the Cup Winners Cup, it was a real signal because English clubs obviously hadn't been allowed in, in Europe for a number of years before that. It was a real sign that United were coming back to the big time. They finished second in the league to Leeds in the last year of the old first division. 
they won the first Premier League and it just snowballed from there. So you, you have to give him credit. I, I think tactically, I, I think it was he wasn't the best. I think he always had great tacticians next to him, you know, except when he had Steve McLaren. But like the <laughs> likes of Brian Kidd, Kirosh and that, they were really good tactical minds. Um, I don't think he needed to rely so much on tactics because I think he was a good spotter of talent himself. I think he, he put the right people. He was really good at assigning tasks to others and managing his own time really well so he could focus on what he knew he was good at, man management, you know, oversee. Ferguson's the great overseer. For me, yeah. Ferguson would make an incredible director of football. If I was starting a dream, you know, club and I could pick anybody in the prime, I'd actually put Ferguson as the director of football and have him oversee the whole project because I think yeah. he had such a good mind for it and he, he just was able to... It's just a shame he was so fucking toxic. You yeah. know what I mean? It, just, and it has to be through scraped teeth that you, you give him credit because he oh, was a it, toxic, like it is. toxic it is. And, Like, I do think there's areas in which he's overrated. Like, you know, the, the titles obviously you can't take away from him, but again, 26 years... Um. The longevity is what stands out for me. It's that's just incredible. It'll never happen again, Dave. Not at the top. Ne- no. The only guy who like Wenger won't. Wenger, I think, is in. Is he in year? Must be year eighteen or nineteen at Arsenal now. I guess he yeah, had yeah. wasn't it? So he he's not going to do another eight years. So he's not going to get to Ferguson's time. Um, and I don't. I just can't see because it's. Because of the way football has changed, I mean, the big thing going on now is Mourinho and people saying, oh, well, you shouldn't employ a guy like Mourinho because he's so short-term, you know, such a short-term mindset. But the the reason most managers now have that mindset is because they know that they can get sacked in an instant. So they don't plan to stick around. They go in for, with three years in mind and they just go hell for leather. They go scorched earth. Ferguson yeah. was the last, Ferguson and Wenger are the last of that generation that went in to, to A, run the club top to bottom and B, to be there like a lifetime appointment basically. And um, that's not, it's a different game now. You know, you, you, they don't yeah. get the power. They don't get that sort of longevity for one reason or another. Like Ferguson would never have lasted past his first three or four years at, at United if that was now. Yeah, it took him seven seven exactly. years for his first title, thirteen yeah, years for his first, first European Cup. Yeah, absolutely. No, and they, and I, well, but I think I was going to say, Dave, one one thing as well is just that when you talk about longevity, you're buying on there. When you talk about it, the the world in 1986 in terms of the profile of football and what footballers were paid compared to. What Ronaldo? Even the violence still is still in football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very violent environment. Yeah, but even look at even look at you know you look at the the you know that the likes of Kevin Moore and Paul McGrath were 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 at, at United. It was just a very different time that drinking culture and the, the profile of that United squad. And he managed it through to the the Rooney Ronaldo, you know, the the Beckham superstar phase, and that didn't upset him. He was able to adjust and he was able to keep these players. In line, and I think most impressively for me, he, he kept them hungry. He kept them coming back season after season after season. 
uh, and you look at them now, as I say, no, nothing is a testament to Ferguson's greatness than look at, just look at Man United now. And I think that, that to me tells everything. He walked away with them, champions of England, and they're as far away from that now as they've been in, in a long time. Indeed. Well, I, I'm going to throw mine into the mix here, who is, who is uh, one that will probably be close to our hearts is Bob Paisley. Um, and just, he was the first man to win back-to-back uh, European Cups. And look at how many years distance there was between the next person to win it back-to-back. Um, you know what I mean? It, it is, it's, a, it, it's difficult to do now, but back then it was even, even more so. Yes, he, he inherited a Liverpool team that, that was basically set up and, and you know, the institution was being set up by Shankly. He took over from him. But what Bob Paisley did at Liverpool, I know he never managed internationally either, but, but I just think that he was the best ever manager that, that, that there was in the British game. I would put him, I would rate him higher than Ferguson. He didn't need seven years. Okay, he was part of a dynasty, but he hit the ground running. He won trophies. He won league titles, back-to-back league titles. He won, he won everything there was to win. And, you know, at club level, a very, very modest man, you know, used to go, used to, go to work in his slippers um, of a different era, let's say. But for, for me, I, I just couldn't have anybody else but Bob Paisley. As I say, I grew up with him. It, it, it's, you know, he, he's one of the icons in my eyes of, of you know, when I was a kid and, and football of old. And, and for me, he's, I know Ferguson had that time, but for me, Bob Paisley is a better manager. Yeah. No arguments. <laughs> no, I wouldn't argue at all. But he's just for me. He was before before my time. Like Bob resigned. I think I was two when he left the job. So I, I you know, I think I actually might have been oh, one. So I, I couldn't pick Bob. You whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> same here. Same here. He was. Uh, he was. He was too much before uh, before my time as well. But I'll tell you what. On the subject of, of Paisley and Ferguson, Dave, I heard a I heard a great story where he was he, he was talking about. Bob Paisley, they were just talking about their different approaches. And there was a story about Robbie Brady. And he was at United when he was younger. And he was in the canteen. And Ronaldo had just won the Ballon d'Or. I think it was 2008. And they were all waiting. The youth team were all waiting at the canteen. And they'd been waiting a while for the staff to come out with the food. And eventually it did come out. But Ronaldo just waltzed in. And it was the day after he'd got his award. And he just went up and... Bobby Brady just stepped out of his way and Ronaldo had shouted his order and got it and walked on. And um, Ferguson was there and Ferguson said to Robbie Brady, I never want to see you do that again. Why did you do that? And he goes, well, it was Ronaldo. And Ferguson said to him, you're here to take his place, son. I never want to see you do that again. And, uh, you know, that was the mentality of Ferguson. You've got to be, you've always got to think that I can I can achieve what I want, and you've got to be single-minded. Whereas Bob Paisley said, I want the type... He was talking about Keegan, and he was talking about youth players. He said, I want the type of young guy who'll, who'll nutmeg him on the training ground, but step aside for him in the corridor. Which I thought was interesting, their mentality. And, that respect but, thing. But one was that, a gentleman, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that mentality. Of, off the pitch, you'd be respectful of their thing, whereas Ferguson was like, no. You've got to stamp well, your... Just, just, just ask Yap Stam, among other people, I'm sure, that have a go in reference. But let's, yeah. let's get into our keepers. Let's get into our keepers. And I'm going to start off this one because um, I've picked Dino's off. And he used to be the Italian captain. Um, he won the World Cup with, with Italy. He had a 22-year career at the very top level with Juve. He won the World Cup. He won the Euro- European Champions. I think six um, Serie A titles, two Coppa Italia, one UEFA Cup. 
He played 11 years in that first team with 330 consecutive appearances and in his Italy career. Uh, and, and you've got to remember the era that this was in, like where international football was really important. It was really, you know, international football was the pinnacle. This man had 1,143 minutes without conceding a goal at international level. And that is just, that in today's world, you, you know, when you consider what international football was back then, you know, and a complete, again, a complete quiet man. He's a man who used to say he preferred deeds to words. But when he was on the pitch, he, you know, he captained that Italy side. And he did it in such a gentlemanly fashion. And like, th- there's only one goalkeeper who, who, who even comes close for me as a second. That's, uh, Buffon, who I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, and, and they're both Italian. And, and, you know, if you go online, you can see the comparisons. Um, you know, he's a completely different character to Buffon. Uh, as I say, a very, very modest man, but you're not talking about the world of, of millionaires and superstars back then. Um, you know, they, they earned an average sort of wage. Um, they weren't they weren't the superstars of today. But I'll tell you what, this man even today in, the, in today's football would walk and grace any team anywhere in the world, and, and he'd be the first name on your team sheet. Buffon would have been my first choice if he was retired, because he's the, he's the best keeper I've seen. I think he's the best ever. You know, just the career stands above pretty much anybody in the game. He's he's just been phenomenal for twenty years now. Um, because he's still playing, I had to go with someone who's retired, so I went with Peter Schmeichel. I considered a couple of other guys, uh, Khan being the main one that I, I kind of considered before I settled on Schmeichel. Schmeichel was just, I, as much as I hate to admit, he was just unbelievably good for United. Dave, From he West. used to be worth six. It was like United had a six-point start yeah. to every oh, yeah. season. It used to drive me mad. Yeah, <laughs> he was just, he was unbeatable in one-on-ones. He you know, he, he for such a big guy, he was ridiculously agile. He was great. You, you, you know, you could you'd be wasting your time crossing the ball into his box because he come and claim everything. The thing that I always rule remember about him though is him coming for a cross, claiming it, and without even looking up, just hurling the ball sixty yards to Ryan Giggs, who'd be moving full pelt, and it, the ball would just land perfectly in stride. And United must have scored, you know, upwards of twenty goals over his time at time there, from that, from coming, claiming across, and without even need needing to look up, just hurling the ball long, like he was a great attacking player for a goalkeeper. And I mean, he, later in his career, when he went to Sporting and then came back, obviously City and Villa, he scored quite, you know, a good few goals. Um, but he was he was a great shot stopper. He didn't really have a weakness. There was no real weakness in Schmeichel's game. Dave, do you know, do you know my favourite, do you, do you know my favourite Schmeichel moment? Uh, do you ever remember the game where United kitted out in grey and he made them change at half time? Because he couldn't see because, them. Uh, yeah, because it was, they lost 6-1 to Southampton. And now, you, you know, Schmeichel was beaten six times, something that very, very rarely happened in his career, I would say at any stage, because he was that good. But just to see him go mad, like that yeah. guy went off his fucking head in that game. He just couldn't understand what was happening to him. Yeah, you know, he was in this this title winning team. They were the best team of that particular era, and he just couldn't fathom. But the winner in him, the just a pure winner in him, just wouldn't accept it, and it nearly drove him to the point of madness one, on the pitch. The one weakness I would say he may have had is he did have a tendency to just stand a little bit too far off his line. 
and he left himself open to get chipped. And it only Philippe, happened Philippe Albert. <laughs> Philippe Albert is one, and Matt yeah. Letizia did it to him twice. Yeah, and during that game, Dave. Yeah, once in that game and once one other time. That was probably the only weakness he had. But given he was six foot five and had big long arms, it didn't. Oftentimes, it didn't make a difference because yeah. the chip had to be so perfect to beat him. Like the look, if you if you ever watched that six one game back, and you see Letizia's chip go over his head, and he just sort of looks at it. And he's like, do you know what? It's pointless. We are getting destroyed. I'm not even jumping for it. He just watches it go over his head and then just shakes his head. It's just like, oh, God, this is this is embarrassing. But, yeah, for me, I, I had to go with Schmeichel because, again, I, I didn't seize off. So And, and you, you know what I mean, Dave? For, now, for command of area and Marshall is, is, is defence, there's no finer in the world that I've ever seen than Schmeichel. But overall, it would be it would be soft. Um, you know, he had everything. Shot stopper. His distribution was fantastic. He was he, Zoff wasn't a big man. He was a small man by by today's standards of goalkeepers. Um, you, you know what I mean. And but his shot stopping and just again his organisation was very good. Not to the same level. Schmeichel was so visible doing it. I think that was the difference that it would maybe set him apart. John, for you, who have you gone for? I've started off with two manks. Um, I'm the oh, same buddy. as I'm the same as Dave. Yeah. Oh, can uh, I assure right. everyone I have no more manks? No. <laughs> Do you know what? I have uh, one. <laughs> no, I, I don't. You have, Dave. No, I don't. Um, but, but I can't. No, I'm not listening. It, it, for me, it was. I mean, and, and Dave's mentioned that there was a couple of others that came into the reckoning. And like all, obviously, Can was one. Totally agree with everything on Buffon. I mean, Buffon's one of my ultimate heroes. I remember watching his debut on, on Channel 4. And Buffon's Channel 4, a yes. Yeah, against as a seventeen-year-old for Parma, and I think Papan was playing for Milan, and he kept a clean sheet. And I just remember thinking, I'm just wasting my life here. I'm watching this guy; he's the same age as me. <laughs> Keep out Milan. Um, yeah, you know Buffon to me will be the greatest of all time. The the other ones were Khan, and I think uh, and Dave. He'd be a popular figure in your the part of the world you're now residing in, uh, Shilliver, the the oh, you know, yeah. the Paraguayan. He he was an um, he was a phenomenon. I mean, six, I think he scored sixty sixty odd goals in his career, and I know I know for a fact he scored eight at international level, four in qualifying for Paraguay. Uh, I think for the two thousand two World Cup, I and mean, he was just an all round great character. But I didn't see enough of him on a week in week out basis. Um, uh, so for me again, um, I, I'm not going to go go over too much more than what what. What, what Dave said there about Schmeichel, but you know, for me, he was just he was just a phenomenal keeper. That pose where he used to come off his line and as they as they say these days, make yourself big. That to me was quintessential Schmeichel. Um, his distribution, his his throw was something that I'd never seen before, and especially the you know the United team, the the real first, I, I think. Classic United team under Ferguson, which were a great team. The the team that had Ince and, and Roy Keane in the middle and Kinchelskis and, and Giggs and Giggs. When Giggs was was devastating, I yeah. still have this argument that Giggs was a better player in 1994 than he ever was again. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He never became the player he should have been because family. of the injuries. Yeah, I like, totally he agree. had moments like he'd have runs of games where. You'd be like, this guy is absolutely out of this world. 
But when he first broke through, when he, when he was 17 to 19, he looked like he was going to be the best player in the world. Yeah, like, I totally... Remember when totally. he first came through, there was all talk of, like, Milan were willing to pay, like, 30 million for him at a yeah. time when the world record fee was less than half that because yeah. he was just such a phenomenon. But he had yeah. so many... Like, he, his legs were just ravaged with muscle tears and surgeries over the years. I actually, That's my favourite gigs is actually, is, is, is either that gigs or end of career gigs when he sort of moved in field and got that old man game where he's just, <laughs> he was like, he, he just kind of gleaned from Paul Scholes how to see the game a different way. And it was just so easy for him. Just a tremendous player. Yeah, he, he was. And I mean, that, that team, and obviously I don't, I don't want to talk too much about gigs because he's not ultimately in my, in my team, but, yeah, I mean, Giggs, there was a goal I remember about Giggs, and I would have this argument with United fans, because uh, there's a United fan I know, and he's a real passionate United fan, he knows his stuff, and he would talk about Ryan Giggs as being one of United's greatest ever player, or the greatest ever, because of his longevity. But for me, never fulfilled that potential. I remember there was a goal at White Hart Lane, Dave, that season, mm. uh, where he nutmegged a guy. Um, now, it mightn't have been, I think it might have been just in Edinburgh, or some freaking clumpet like that, but he, but he nutmegged him and he went round the keeper at White Hart Lane, tight angle, just smashed it in. And he, and he was brilliant. But what I'm talking about, Schmeichel, I just remember that team, Giggs Kanchelskis, counter-attack, Bruce Pallister, Irwin Parker, they were such a solid so team. So good. Hughes and, and Mc, bright, Hughes and McClare and then Hughes and Cantona. Cantona. Hughes and Cantona. They, they were, they were a group. Fucking, a of is this a fucking Mike Lovin we're having uh, here? Sorry, Dave. Do you know what? I've got to get this all out now. I have to get it out of the fucking system. Yeah. Peace and goodwill to all men and all that shit. Um, you know what? And, we should actually, at some point, we should do a podcast about the great Premier League era teams. That United team the United team that won the treble, Mourinho's first it Chelsea breaks team. My heart. Arsenal's. And, and Arsenal's, Arsenal's unbeaten team. They're the four best teams better. that the Premier League has seen. Although, Wenger's first Arsenal team with, with yeah, Old they're Mars, my favorites. that was a special. Old Mars and Anelka oh. special as well. Well, uh, let's move on. Let's, let's, let's move minute. on. Let's, let's, let's get into the back wars, guys. Listen, I just want to finish on Schmeichel. One game, the game I always remember was the game at Newcastle, um, where they got absolute, not the game where they got hammered, the game that won them the league, where they started that comeback, when Cantona scored, and he, Cantona had a volley into the ground, but they got absolutely smashed. Newcastle were rampant, Les Ferdinand, and it was a one-man show. And, and I just remember thinking, that's the greatest display of goalkeeping I've ever seen in my life, still as to this day, was he was a one-man wall. He kept them out and United stole it. And then they went on to, on to win the league. Yes, indeed. And, and, and with that, we will stop talking about the Premier Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into the back four. So I think we're, we're I know we've sort of the 50%, I think everybody's got the same thing. So I'm going to start. My right back's Cafu, uh, then Franco Baresi, Daniel Passarella, and Paolo Maldini. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we can go the rest and, and see what we want to talk about around those players. So, uh, John, who, who's your back four this time? Oh, well, I've got Baresi and Maldini because um, they were so obvious. Uh, really? Oh, centre back. Uh, I was looking at Aldair. Um, I was looking at Jurgen Kohler. Um, I, went, I went in the end for Zanetti at right back. Xavier Zanetti, Argentine, brilliant player. And I went for, I just saw, 
with this team, I want somebody who can really, along with Franco, just this beautiful player to watch, Ronald Koeman. Uh, he was just one of my favourites. I remember his goal that won the European Cup for Barcelona in 92. He was just a glorious passer of the ball. And some might argue is a bit similar to Beresi in, in, in some ways with uh, stepping out with the ball. But he was, uh, this is a bit of a, just a luxury for me. He was just one of my favourite defenders ever to watch. He was so just brilliant. He had just so much class, Dave, everything about him. Uh, so yeah, Zanetti Maldini, fullback, who could both get forward, both defend, um, both great players. And then Beresi was just like, yeah, best ever for me. And yeah, there's a few that could go in there, but I, but I went for Koeman because I thought he, 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 he could step up a whacking old free kick in from 40 yards too to win a European Cup. That's decent if you're a centre back. I don't think and, Martin Skirtle would do it. <laughs> benefit of if you remember back to 94 the world cup qualifiers when holland knocked england out and he blatantly pulled back david platt didn't get sent off despite the fact he should have been and then scored a winner from a free kick dave we have to be mindful of our audience here i don't care that alone alone gets him on my good list (laughs) yeah yeah Um, super player loved watching tremendous a good manager as well yeah, absolutely, absolutely, super manager. Um, no, I'm gonna say I, I I went for Passarella. I don't know. Did you guys ever ever, ever get to see him? No, no, he, not he was really. Still play, he was still playing. I think right up to the '86 World Cup. Like you no. know, this was a this was a goal scoring centre back captain leader. You know, lifted the World Cup in '78 with Argentina. Basically, marshaled that whole team. You, you know, he he's a player. I, I would liken him to to, to, to Franco Baresi and uh, of that era, you know, um, just that a complete leader, just a, an absolute pillar at the back, you know what I mean, and, and just an absolutely awesome player. I think he, I think he scored something like twenty no twenty five goals or something mad like that for for you know for Argentina over his career, which for a central defender is 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 mad. Like they used to call him down here El Gran Capitan. Uh, and, and I think still to this day, you know, he 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 is referred to as that. Um, you know, I just actually looked up. He did go. He was he was in Mexico at, at, at eighty six at the age of thirty three, um, but got injured and didn't play a minute in the tournament. That's but he, I remember him actually being there. Um, but even that that type of a career, that type, you know, for a centre back and, and especially you know, playing, he played for River Plate for years and whatnot. And they, those boys are fucking hard as nails. Like you know, the prima donnas of the day couldn't deal with it. Would deal with the physicality that you know these boys had down South America at that time. And, and for that reason, and, and just you know, the longevity of his career, how beautiful a player he was. Like he was, you know, he's just a fantastic defender. The perfect, perfect complement to, to someone as wonderful and technically gifted as, as Baresi was. Um, just a complete, perfect foil for him. I basically pick my team around what Saki's best team was. So it's that great Milan team that he constructed. So Maldini was an obvious pick at left back. Brazy, obviously, it's an obvious pick at right for the centre back. They're for me, they're the two best that have ever played those positions. I think there's a really strong argument to be made that Paolo Maldini's actually the best player that's ever been. Um, when you I look would, at, I'd find that hard to, to argue with, Dave. He, yeah, is when you look at the career, the fact that he spent his entire career playing out of position as well, because he was actually a right back and he played left back and then left centre back all his career. Um, and, and once famously said, I think they forgot 
he was asked, you know, you, you've you played all this time at left back, you know, you're, you're naturally right-footed, why is that? And he said something along the lines of, well, they put me in because everybody was injured, and then other people got injured, and they kept me in, and I think they just forgot that I wasn't a left back, so they <laughs> left me there. And, like, you know, he was just, he didn't have a flaw. Baresi didn't have one either. For a guy who was five foot nine to be that commanding is special. Um, yeah. The, the other centre back in that team obviously was Costa Curta. Now I I was kind of looking at it and who, how can I upgrade on 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 him? Because I think he was like he was obviously a phenomenal defender, but I think there's been better that I've seen. Um, John mentioned Al Dyer earlier on. He was one I really considered. I thought he was fantastic. Um, but he also mentioned Jurgen Kohler, and that's who I've gone with. Um, he was just so commanding. He was so dominant, good with the ball. You know, was just a key player for in, in a couple of great German teams as well. Brilliant for Borussia Dortmund late in his career. Great for Juventus during his prime. Um, I considered Nesta and Cannavaro as well, but I just thought Kohler for for what how he played and how Baresi played. I just thought they were the perfect balance. I never got to see Passarella play. Other than videos and stuff, and like he, he looks like he was phenomenal, but I, I had to go with someone that I've seen, so I went with, with, with Jurgen Kohler. And my right back is Giuseppe Bergami, another Italian, um, the legend of Inter Milan, and it was quite a close pick between him and Javier Zanetti, who's like the guy basically who replaced him as right back and captain. And um, the only other right back I considered was Lillian Turam, um, but I, I went with Bergami, brilliant defender, great on the ball, good going forward, natural leader, natural talker. I considered Tassati, who was the right back in that Milan team as well, but Bergami for me was just a standout. It's disgraced he didn't win more caps for Italy because it should have been automatic that he was right back, Maldini was left back, and it was Baresi plus one in in the centre. Um, but obviously the managers that were you know in charge of the Italy squad thought it best to play the entire club back for so you know he, he lost out there here poor per old uh, per old Italy Dave they never had many defenders to choose no from. struggling <laughs> defensive defenders struggling for quality they struggled in those, uh, those areas but you know yeah. you know what we've all picked Baresi and there's a thing about Baresi that stood out for me when I first saw him you know we were used to these you know the Gordon McQueens of this world and the fucking Steve Bruce's you know elbows Hightower. and knees yeah and elbows teeth. knees and big heads yeah, exactly. And this Big guy was just, heads. Gra- <laughs> just graceful. You know, he was different than anything we watched in the English league. And but we, he was tough we, too, we, Dave. He was tough. Oh, fuck, hard as fucking nails. Like, fucking hatchet mm. man. At the same time, yeah. <laughs> you know, playing that Milan team might be having a bit of spike about you. But you know what I mean? His timing was impeccable. He didn't need to do the Steve Bruce drag you down the Gordon McQueen knee you in the balls. He had grace and style. He could, he could take a ball away from you and not even know that the ball, you know, there was, there was attackers who were running forward still thought they had the ball. Brazier was away with it. Yeah. He was different. And, and you know, while I have two centre backs, Franco Brazier is the first name on this team sheet yeah. because he is just absolutely phenomenal. It, it doesn't even do him justice, Dave. Like the only English defender I think that has, uh, well, sorry, he wasn't English, Scottish, but the only British defender who had that kind of style and grace is our own Jockey Hansen. Yeah. But yeah. I really only got to see the tail end of him after he'd had all the injuries and he'd slowed down a bit. 
Well, do you know what, Dave? I have been fighting with myself. I've, I've fought over the goalkeeper position because Pat Jennings holds a special place in my heart, yeah. obviously. Uh, and, and Hansen in my back four as well would have been. But just these two, you know, I fell in love with football in 78 during that World Cup and Passarella and Kempes were the, were the, were the two big names. And, and oh, well, it gave us, uh, what was it, Ardiles and the other boy, Ricky Vila, came to, to England yeah. on the back of that as well, you, you know. But for me, it was the two names. Passarella was this fucking... Colossus of a defender, uh, and you had this create, you know, and they all had long hair. They all looked like Jesus, you know, <laughs> they all had beards <laughs> and long hair. And it was all so hippies. unusual, you know. Uh, exactly. Well, it looks like people where I live at the moment. <laughs> the but, only- uh, you know, they just had, they just had a South American flair to them, you know what I mean, which set them apart. Uh, the only defender I even considered was Tony Adams, to be honest, uh, who I still, I still think he's the standout. He is awesome. He's I a think to date, he is still the best centre-back that has played in the Premier League since the Premier League era began. And it has bothered me greatly to see people compare John Terry and Rio Ferdinand. Oh, as good no, as no, they no, have no, been, they couldn't the lace Tony Adams' boots. Correct. Those, they couldn't lace his boots. Like The only one I think that could have come close was Ledley oh. King, but injuries ruined him. I'd argue Paul McGrath, Dave. And Paul McGrath, Paul but McGrath. again, he was kind of... Like, I know he won the Player of the Year award in, like, the first or second year of the Premier League, the Player's Player of the Year award. But that was at the end of his peak. Like, yeah. McGrath from... I, McGrath, spoiler alert, McGrath is actually on my bench. Largely <laughs> for, for his Ireland performances more for, than for his club performances. But I've like, got McGrath's an Irish man on my bench, too. You know, um, like McGrath was tremendous. Saul Campbell was brilliant as well. Um, you know, in in that that era, you know, of the the late night, like kind of the mid nineties to kind of early. But they early just 90s. fell below that level, Dave. You know what I mean? They yeah, just exactly. Fell below exactly. Very, very, very top level. But I mean, those guys like Adams. Adams was a level above Campbell and King. And then I think like the guys that we've heard, like, and I throw, I you know, is uh, Ferdinand and Terry. They're a level below that again, and then the likes of Carrie. What did you think of Terry Butcher? Because he was... T- I never rated him at all. He was tied at the I thought he was a hatchet man. I thought he was a hatchet man. I thought he was one of those, fucker. you know, loads of noise, wave the arms around, charge about, kick the ball into the stands. Uh, he, no, he Dave, wasn't. I'm go- do you know who I'm going to throw under this when we're on this discussion? Gary Pallister's another one, actually. Yeah, Gary Pollister. Uh, you know he was a great player? Mark Wright. It's a great show. Mark Wright. Great show. Mark Wright was actually. a super player. Because I remember England, you know, Bobby Robson went with a three at the back, and he played him as a sweeper, which was pretty unusual yeah. in, in 90. And he was he, he was such a cultured player, Mark Wright. Great reader of the game. Really it's good on huge. the ball. Like, Liverpool did brilliantly to get him, and unfortunately his time at Liverpool was just ruined by injuries. But when he did get a good run, Careful under, when he got a good run under Evans, when he yeah, finally he was, he was, got fit, yeah, and Evans brought him into that back three, he was just a level above. He was so he was, good. He really showed his class, didn't he? Um, do you know what one thing I'd add into this? And I don't think there's anything more that can be said about Beresi other than we don't, we all have him in there because he's the best. And I think as well, what you have to bear in mind was. He was asked to do very different. Not only was he always brilliant, but he was asked to evolve and change by Saki. And Saki obviously was such an innovator. 
Saki insisted on 25 metres between his defence and midfield. He, he, he advocated pressing. He advocated an absolute, you know, all-out attack, offside trap, which was just everyone go. And, and Berezi just embraced all that. But one of the great stories that Saki said was when Saki went to Milan, Hullet and Van Basten were sort of unconvinced. They weren't enjoying training because one of the things they said about Saki was he drilled his team so much during training that they were fucking delighted to get a match because that was a relief. <laughs> they enjoyed their matches on a Sunday in Serie A because it was such a relief. And one of the, you know, Hull and Van Basten weren't happy and they were, you know, they, they weren't enjoying training. And why all this attention to detail and all these mad drills? And Saki had his goalkeeper in his back four and obviously Berezi, Maldini, you know, you can imagine what that was like. And Saki done this thing where it was the goalkeeper in the back four would line up and he would get 10 outfield players and he would give them 15 minutes, unorganized 10. They just had to go and try and kick about in the schoolyard, try and score a goal on the organized Saki back four and goalkeeper. And basically the rule was they got up as soon as they lost possession, they just start back in their own half, try and attack this one end. And Saki said, in all his time at Milan, they scored one goal. And this is, and he, and basically Saki was saying, this is Hullet, Van Basten, <laughs> Albertini, Donatoni. They scored one goal in the training games where he'd done this, but he said he'd done it to prove a point. He says he'd done it for 40 minutes or something. And, uh, it was then that, uh, you know, Hullet and Van Basten realized that, Jesus, this guy knows what he's doing. If we can't score with twice as many players as them, but Berezi was a big part of that. They they just were so drilled. He told them exactly what to do, and Berezi orchestrated the whole thing. No, and I'm gonna say, you know, you just, you know, we haven't really talked much about Maldini, but 25 seasons at Milan and playing in that first team, 25 minutes or 25 years, should I say? It's absolutely amazing. Five <laughs> Champions League days. He won the Champions League five times as well, and, and lost two exactly. finals. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Crazy. five Champions Leagues. It's, it's it's extraordinary. One of you know, uh, what a player. And, and one of them, what like I think nine, nineteen twenty years apart. His first one to his last one. Exactly. Yeah. Just exactly. Phenomenal. Twenty six trophies. Th- I think he won with Milan. Th- you know, throw in seven Serie A's. Was it one Coppa Italia, five Coppa or Super Coppa Italia, and five UEFA Super Cups, a World Cup. You know, eight Champions League finals in his career. He done alright. He done okay. Absolutely, over six six hundred appearances for, for for that Milan team and that Milan team. As as you know, it, it's a special place in all all our hearts in this panel. Just absolutely yeah, sensational. Let's let, let's take a look. I I had Cafu, but we'll, we'll move we'll move into the, the the defensive midfield here because no time's marching on us, <laughs> gents. So uh, let let's move on into the midfield. So uh, Dave, we'll let you start off this one. Who have you got uh, holding on? So I went for for two in the middle because Saki played two in the middle. Um, I went for one of his guys. I went for Frank Reichard, who I think has largely been overshadowed um, by the greatness of Hullet and Van Basten in that team. But for me, Reichard was the best of the three. You know, he, he, was, he literally didn't have a weakness in his game. Could just destroy teams by himself. Could run a game. Moved back to, to centre-back later in his career, obviously, with Ajax and won a Champions League. Um, but he was just, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal midfield player. 
So I went with him and I paired him up with Fernando Redondo, who's the best defensive midfielder I've seen, bar Sergio Busquets. Who, Sergio Busquets will be in this team if he was retired, but he's not. He's still only 26, 27. And his, he is going to end with a roll call of honours that I think will match Maldini's. Um, he's just phenomenal. But I went with, I thought the balance would be nice with Rijkaard and Redondo. Um, so yeah, that's who I went with. But Dave, I think and you have to remember that Jimmy Carragher said that Busquets is poor defensively. Poor defensively, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great Jamie Carragher who, who, you know, said that Dejan Lovren was a great centre back. Definitely a man. You know, worth listening to for his judgment on uh, on who's a good defender and who isn't. John, for you, who 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 have you got in that role? Do you know who I went for? And yeah, right cards on my bench. I love Frank. I love that Milan team. I also had a Diadora autograph from Marco Van Basten, which Baez is my selection later. Spoiler alert: <laughs> when I was young, I went for Lothar Mateus. I oh, just cool. loved. Lo- I just loved Lothar Mateus. Um, the ninety World Cup was my first, and I know me and Dave spoke about it for hours and hours, <laughs> the 90 World Cup, but um, yeah, he played in five World Cups. He had 150 caps for Germany. He he was, I guess, in the I guess in the modern sense of the, the you know, he would be considered probably more of a, a box-to-box these days, but he could play that holding role, but he was just, you know, the 90 World Cup for me, he scored four goals in that. He won, he won a, a wreck of uh, Bundesligas. He won a Ballon d'Or. He was a FIFA World Player of the Year. I just, he just to me was the, the first major tournament I watched. He was the guy I was looking out for before it, and he didn't disappoint. He was just a, a Rolls Royce of a, of a player, Matthias. Super fit, super calm, um, excellent on the ball. He had a brilliant shot. And he was just the leader of that team, captained them to the World Cup. So, yeah, um, I looked. At, I looked at my team as well and realised that I didn't have a German, and that just felt wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Luther Matthias for me, Dave. No, and, and this is personal choice anyway, John. It's, it's no no big deal. I I, went, I opted for one player in this position. Uh, I'll see if you can guess who it is. Um, he was described as possibly the best midfield English footballer or best midfielder English. Yeah, he he was Beckham, yeah. King, Butt, and Scholes all rolled into one. The best, you know, the best English midfield that we've we've seen in recent years. And he was he was scream soonest. I know he gets a lot of stick about different things, and he's made a few mistakes since he since his playing days. But I remember his playing days, and the majority of people throwing shade at him don't. And you know. There's a, there's a man, Bob Paisley, made captain of Liverpool at the, at the time. You know, the most arrogant mofo you'll ever come across. But he was just classy. His skills, his passing. You, you know, uh, what was it Paisley said? Uh, he, he's, he's the time, type of boy who would go into the centre circle and instead of tossing a coin, would talk, toss an American Express gold card. And back then, a gold card was a platinum card for, for you children today. Um, you know, he was just that classy. Uh, but he also had a side to him that wasn't so classy. Uh, and one, one, one time sort of springs to mind, uh, I think Liverpool were playing uh, Dino Bucharest in the European Cup. And I forget the boy's name. It's Maldiva or something, something along those lines. I can't for the life of me remember it. Uh, but this boy chinned um, Sunas three times. And Sunas sort of, sort of took it in the chin, basically. But sort of exacted his revenge in his own time and he broke the guy he, he, he caught him I think with a right hook or something and broke the boy's jaw in three places 
And, you know, and he said, you know, no remorse at the time, but obviously, you know, I, I was very upset to hear that he was so bad afterwards. You know, but that was soonest. You know, you, he was a fucking hard man, you know, real sort of Scottish hard man. And, and he, he just ruled that sort of position. And for me, there was just him. There couldn't be anybody else but him. And I, I imagine you boys got the same play. Maybe not at Liverpool, but I imagine I, you... you, you, you I saw the very on. end of him at Rangers, the very very end of him at Rangers. Well, that wasn't that wasn't really the best. And that was uh, I know I know <laughs> a number of long-standing season ticket holders uh, who go to see Liverpool play who tell me that Graham Souness is the greatest player that has ever played for Liverpool and that like the talk that Gerrard <laughs> is, is better is nonsense. Oh, complete nonsense. But the problem is the problem is now, Dave, that Graham Souness in, in in the world of Liverpool supporters has been tarnished with the making the you know he's he's done silly things, he mm. has done silly things. And setting those aside, and I'm only talking clearly here about his playing career and and when he was at the top of his game, he is one of the finest players to ever wear that red shirt, without yes, a doubt. And, and people just love the managerial reign. It's two separate things. He was a terrible manager, but. He, he was an incredible player. Like I've only, I didn't, I, I've only seen him play for Liverpool in videos and stuff. Um, my dad used to collect videos of old Liverpool games, so I've seen, you know, probably forty to fifty games. But he was just levels above everybody else in midfield. Yeah. He he was basically if you if you took Roy Keane and and could could hybrid him and Gerrard, you would have a lesser version of Sunes basically. He was just that good, but I, again, because I didn't see him play, I can't, you know, can't pick him in my team. Do you know what I would say about Sunas, Dave? And I, you know, it's a great shout, and I think you're privileged and that you've seen him. When I think about Sunas, he had that delicate. I, I think of the ball to Kenny at Wembley mm. that he, that he played against Bruges. You know the one where Kenny did that wee dink over the keeper, and then that was Sunas all over. He just the weight of the pass was, you know, that's like something now, like, um, I, I guess for me watching football now, the only guy I can see that, that, that weights a pass so well is Messi and, and, and Ozil as well. They're, they're two players in the world at the moment that weight a pass, but that, the weight a pass is hat trick against, was it CSK Sophia? Dave, where he, where he scored a hat trick in a European game when, right. when Liverpool, and he, and I mean, they, this wasn't a fucking normal hat trick. This was just no, insane. No. It was fucking blockbuster stuff. The guy was just, yeah, give me the fucking ball. I'll just fucking rocket it here from thirty yards, uh, top yeah, corner. If you, if, you, if anybody oh, listen, listen to this, is, is not aware of Sunus, and you want to see Graham Sunus in his pomp at his best, it's not for Liverpool. Watch the nineteen seventy eight World Cup, um, Scotland against the Netherlands, and Scotland beat uh, the Netherlands three two. Graham Sunus ran that show. I Absolutely thought it was Archie Gemmell ran that show, Dave. <laughs> oh, Archie Gemmell scored a great goal in that. Um, yeah, he but, did, but, he did. But he, he wouldn't have been in the positions to do it had it not been for Sunus. Sunus just basically nullified for the majority of the game. And what was, like, Jesus, Van der Kirchhoff twins. <laughs> You're talking about fucking a, a really, really strong Dutch side. And the Scottish weren't fancied at all in 78. But because of it, like Sunus, like Kelly, that, I'm telling you, he watched that game, or even elongated highlights of it. You'll never see a player like it with, a, with, with as John just said, the passing skills. It's just silk. Yeah, he could ping a ball forty yards. He could ping a delicate ball. He could score. He could, he, you know, he could shoot. 
he was, yeah, no argument for me, Dave. I just, you know, just didn't see enough of him, um, to be honest, but no doubt in his greatness. No, indeed. So let's move forward to the next part of the midfield. And, uh, and Dave, what have you got for us in this one? Um, so my two attacking midfield players, players who kind of drop a little bit wide, but mainly play kind of as, as you know, twin midfielders in, in a box midfield. Um, I went with Zidane, um, who I just adored. He's one of the, he was one of the first greats that I actually saw, you know, yeah. from the very start to the very end. And he was just, he was incredible. For a man his size to have that type of balance and ability on the ball, I don't think we'll ever see it again. He was like 6'1", built like a tank, but could just had incredible balance and ability. And obviously when he played for Real, he played in that sort of boxy midfield. And the other attacking midfielder I've gone for is Michael Laudrup, who is probably my favourite player ever. Um, I just loved watching him play. Best dribbler I've ever seen. Incredible passer, was the best player in Cruyff's dream team, was, you know, just a phenomenal player throughout his career. Possibly never became the player he should have. Um, like, you look at quotes from all the great managers that worked with him or, or around the same time, they, they've all said he, he, he should have been the best player in the world and he probably was for about a five years, you know, spring at the start of the nineties, but he, he he never really transcended the way he looked like he should have at the time. And obviously, as a Liverpool fan, he should have been our player. We had everything wrapped <laughs> up and agreed on a three-year deal. And Liverpool tried to push for a fourth year, and he went off to play for Juventus. Oh, Jesus, Dave. Imagine, imagine Loudrup. We could have had Loudrup. John Beard, Barnes. John Barnes. Oh, Sooness might have stuck around. Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine? Ronnie Whelan. Rush. Oh. Kenny was still there at the time. Stop your upset, man. Manson, Lawrence, Christmas is good, old man. Stop it. We've, we've, got, we've got Martin Skirtle and Lovren. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Adam Lalana is in, in many ways the, uh, the new Michael Laudrup in the same way that, like, you know, AIDS is fun. <laughs> That one might need to be bleeped. You might need to bleep oh, that. Oh, Jesus. No, yeah, take that out. Take that out. Oh, Christ. You've just... Oh, fuck. I need to regain... Com- I need to regain composure after that comment. That was brilliant. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. Right, do you know what? The way I looked at it was Dave's done a, a lovely sacky balance job there. I looked at Beresi, Kuman, Maldini and Zanetti and I thought if I could put a crowd of maverick attacking geniuses in front of that, who could cope with? And I think Zanetti, Beresi, Kuman, and Maldini would. So he, <laughs> all I've put in front of them is Mateus. My three then. Now, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm cheating now because Dave would have had him there, but no, no, I, th- I think you have I have Zidane, uh, obviously. I've got Maradona. So I, I want Maradona sort of in, in my number 10. I, I, I'm going to have Zidane in that midfield, just picking the ball off Matthias, just basically doing what he wants. And I've got Rude Hullet as well. So, so I've, I've gone for Maradona, Zidane, Hullet. I think they'd have been all right. Um, Maradona for leave? just... Park Maradona, park Maradona, because he's part of my front line, so we can talk about <laughs> him. I know we can argue. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking of him there in the... I wanted, there was no way I wasn't having Maradona and Zidane, and I wanted the two strikers I wanted in my team, so I, I, I'm, I'm compromising a wee bit there, but we'll park Maradona, because obviously we can chat, but yeah, Zidane, oh Jesus, I, I just love Zidane so much, 
big, strong monster of a player. Um, he's on mine as well, John. He's on mine as well. I mean, it was just, it was like a ballerina. I, I, I guess that sounds really stupid, but he was like a ballerina, the way he used to dance with the ball and that rule, you know, that pirouette that he used to do with the ball at his feet. Um, just everything you want on a player. He, he could make an arse out of people. You could never get the ball off. And his goal against uh, Leverkusen at Hamden, that, that left foot volley. Um, he, every time, they always say about great players, you know, they look like they've got loads of time on the ball. Um, and it was just, you know, absolutely unreal. Um, and then, and then Hullet, who for me, yeah, as Dave said earlier we, we, about Rijkaard, you know, that, that great Dutch team, Hullet to me was just a brilliant player, so strong, so brilliant at, uh, linking attack and defense, real, really, really comfortable. I just think if you had Mateus there and then you had Diego, Zizou and Hullet, you know, good luck lads, trying to, trying to cope with that. No, indeed. Well, listen, what's going to happen? Dave actually has another appointment here, so I'm going to let him go ahead and run through the rest of his team for us and his bench, and then, John, we can we can discuss it a little bit more in detail. But I want to give Dave, because, as I say, unfortunately, he has another engagement, he's, prior engagement he has to, to, to make. So, Dave, if you want to run through the rest of yours and give us a bit of background, your bench and whatnot, and we can just let you go with that, mate. Yeah, I'm really sorry about this. I did the global just before this and it ran over and gags needs me on it. Don't worry, we'll, we'll add it so, um, There's a trend my, here, Hendrik. There's a trend. I know. <laughs> Things run over with you. Well, look, this is how it is. Um, yeah, so my strikers, I would play one off one. So I've gone with Maradona off the real Ronaldo. Ronaldo, I think, would have become the greatest player of all time if his body had, you know, stood the test of time. But unfortunately, it didn't. The injuries he had were just horrific. Um, but when he was, when he was on, he was absolutely incredible. He was unstoppable. No defense could cope with him. No matter what they did, he was going to score his goals, make everyone better around him. And Maradona, I just think he's, in, he was incredible. Like, you know, watching him play, just a bundle of energy, incredible talent. Had a nasty side, a little, which little I bit like. of the devil in him. Yep. Yeah, and I, lo- I like that. I think it makes him like with Pele. I always looked at Pele, kind of on, obviously as, as an after, you know, in in retrospect, I always thought of Pele like he was like this perfect superstar, the personality and all that thing. There was no real flaw in the the persona or anything like that. Whereas Maradona was clearly a very flawed individual, and I I kind of like that about him. So that's my front two. Um, in terms of my bench, I went with more along the lines of players that I just loved watching. So I've gone with Paluka as my backup goalkeeper. Um, I've gone with Lillian Turam as my backup defender because he could play right back, centre back, and I, he played left back a few times. So I think he covers all bases. I went with Matthias Sammer um, because he could play as a sweeper or in midfield. And the German team of 96 is one of my all-time favourite teams and he was just phenomenal through Euro 96. Um, I picked Ronaldinho because he's the most enjoyable. I, actually, I can't pick him because he's still playing, isn't he? No, he's not. Well, has, is he retired? You know he's, 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 he's there, not officially, but he hasn't off. played for two months, has he, Dave? No, he, he, he got kicked out of uh, Fluminese um, after three months. 
And I forget who's looking at it. There's somebody's looking at him at the minute. I read it the well, other day. Uh, it's the, bro- the brother's basically offering him to everybody. That, yeah. that's, that's the crack. Like, he's but, the uh, most uh, enjoyable player I've ever watched. He's finished. Yeah. You know, as a footballer, he's finished, so please bring him on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to pick him because he Brilliant. just played this sheer joy the same way he played in the streets when he was a kid and on beaches and that. Like, bouncing passes off his back to people, the no-look <laughs> passes, the bicycle kicks out of nowhere, the free yeah. kick under the wall, which just blew my mind the first time I saw it. He was just yeah. sheer joy to watch that run he had at Barcelona. Like, when you get applauded off at the Bernabeu and you're a Barcelona player, you are very, very, very special. So him as my attacking midfielder and Marco van Basten because, like, the guy was just incredible. He just There's just no two ways about it. He could do everything. <laughs> what a player. Just a joy, an absolute joy. So that would be my, my bench. I think it covers... All areas. It's nice and versatile. Mightn't be everybody's cup of tea. Actually, do you know what? I won't pick R- R- Ronaldinho because he's still pay- playing, technically. I'll throw Roberto Baggio in there because he was yes. the first player I truly <laughs> fell in love with watching. So I'll, I'll throw Baggio in there. Um, and I, I, had no, of, I had no space for him, Dave, and he's one of my favourites. Yeah. I love Roberto Baggio. He was so, a luxury yeah. player. Like. But yeah, pure luxury. But his performance in 1990 at the World Cup was great, and then he was the superstar of '94. So I'll and go, pa- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll go Paluca, Turam, Zammer, Baggio, and Van Basten as my bench. I think that'll be a lot of fun to have together. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, lads. I will. Yeah, go ahead. Before before you go, give me another one for the WFI Top 100. <laughs> You're not getting away that easy. WFI <laughs> Top 100. I will throw out the name Emery Jan. Oh, because I I think what we've seen of him under Klopp stands to what he's going to become, and I think he's going to be an absolute brilliant midfield player for Liverpool. I think people just need to realise that he's a young guy, and he he's going to take time to learn how to play midfield in the Premier League because he spent his first year in the Premier League wasted at centre back and right back. Um, I think there's a reason he's so highly rated in Germany. There's a reason. Bayern Munich are big fans of him would love to have him back um, so yeah Emery Jean Dave do you know what if you've been what, and I see this on Twitter all the time if you're watching football and you've been watching Liverpool and you're a Liverpool fan and you can't see that this guy is exceptional for 21 years of age then yeah. then don't ever become a scout and don't ever don't well, really pa- don't pass opinions of football Jesus. he's already a better central midfield player in, in terms of playing central midfield, than Steven Gerrard ever was. Because Gerrard was never a very good central midfield player. He had that one run under Rodgers where he had enough protection, but he still was only a one-way player. He was hopeless defensively. Jean is a better all-round central midfield player. Not a better he's, player, better central yeah, midfielder. He's fr- he, Dave, he's frightening. He's yeah. got... He's too- the way he can shift the ball between both his feet is passing. Uh, the, see the game at Man City? I was yeah. watching him thinking, Christ, we've got Ran the game. Here. Ran the game oh, at Stamford Bridge as well. Absolutely. Carried Lucas and Milner through that first half. Yeah. And then it was overlooked because Lucas had a decent second half. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, unbelievable and that's, in both games. And that's a load to carry, let me yeah. tell you, when you're 21. Exactly. <laughs> when, he, when, when Klopp gets his team together and... Nobody needs to carry anybody else. Emre Jean will be unleashed in the Premier League and he's going to be a beast. 
Right, guys, I gotta say goodbye. Listen. I will talk to you both again real happy, soon. Happy Christmas, Dave. Happy Thank you, boys. Take Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Happy, happy New Year. Talk, talk to you in the new year, and we'll continue on here as is. Cool. Take care. <laughs> Thank you very Bye-bye. much, Dave. Good night. So, and then there was two. <laughs> so, John, where were we with your midfield before before Dave? Yeah, had so I'd gone with um, and uh, yeah, and I, you know what? I could have used Madar- Maradona off the striker as a sort of striker, second striker, but now that just felt like a waste of of a striker. So yeah, I had Mateus, I had Maradona, I had Zidane, and I had Hullet. Um So my strikers, funny enough, we've we. <laughs> We've covered them. We've we've already spoken about them there. Uh, my strikers, Dave, are Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo, um, not the fat Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo, and Van Basten. That's my two. Ooh, yeah, these are two up front. Well, I I'd gone for a three, and um, and two of the three are the same in, in Ronaldo and and Maradona. But but on this occasion, I think that the the age benefits me into. And I know it's a player you like, John. And I know it's a player you want to talk about. It's George Best. It's it's my best oh, yes. of all time. You know he he is you know a luxury player. Yes, but Dave. Unfortunately, day, I'm I'm just not old enough to be able to talk about George Best. Uh, well, the we, we will do, we'll, we'll do it in a minute. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to talk about these two South Americans first, and, and, and I'm going to start with with old Diego. And yeah, bloody hell, what a player, John! What an absolute absolute genius. With yeah, the and, uh, uh, just, you know, the thing we did, Maradona's, and I, and I know there's a lot of stuff now, like where, see if you look at the stats with Messi and Ronaldo, you know, the, 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 the Ronaldo, uh, the, the Real Madrid Ronaldo now. Let's, let's, let's call him Cristiano Ronaldo. Chris, he let's call him Cristiano. He, he doesn't deserve just to be called Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, let's call him Cristiano. Um, you know, when you look at the stats, you know, there's a lot of people now that will turn around and almost, you know, they'll not dismiss Maradona, but they'll say, oh, you know, but look at what these guys are doing. And listen, 
the only thing I can say about Diego Maradona is put Messi in that team in 86, they wouldn't have won the World Cup. Um, put Messi in the Napoli team, they wouldn't have won Serie A. Swap them with Diego. Some people might say that's contentious. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. No, I mean, I agree with you. You've got to take the context of what football football now is played on bowling greens with massive protection for attacking players. And I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about uh, yes. Georgie. The, the boy, there, yeah. yeah, the boy from Belfast. He was rather good. Um, but football was a different game. You know, anyone wants to understand what football was like, watch the Vinnie Jones tackle on Steve McMahon in the 88 Cup final, which wasn't even a yellow card. Don't the case. Yeah. Don't the you know, case. Just, just for the younger generation who are watching this, just go on and watch Vinnie Jones' tackle on Steve McMahon. And, and Steve McMahon just gets up and gets on with the game. And that happens in the first five minutes. And that was Wimbledon's crazy gang trying to, you know, take the fight to Liverpool, as it was called in those days. I mean, it was an, it was an abomination of a tackle. It was an absolute... Or as Dave would say, he, 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 welcome to the game. Welcome to the game. I mean, it's, oh, these the days game. it would be a red card. It would, it would be violent conduct. It would be... You know, it would be a straight three six, minimum. Six suspension as well. Yeah, you know, this is what the context of what it was. And, and Messi as well is surrounded by Xavi. He's surrounded, you know, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, um, a, a team around him that's just built with, with, with great players that plays a certain way. Everything built around him. And, uh, Maradona was just an absolute one-off. He was an absolute genius. He could take tackles. He could take shit. He could score free kicks from anywhere. He could dribble. Scored the best goal of all time. The best goal I've ever seen. Uh, 86 World Cup. He could, he could um, even score with his hand, John. He was that think. <laughs> Dave, we're really trying to piss off the English listeners here, you know. Uh, between the Ronald Koeman, uh, with, with Hendrix, uh, <laughs> Uh, about Ronald Koeman. Listen, uh, now, Diego, Jesus, what, what, uh, he was, he was a phenomenal player. He was, he was a joke. He scored the best goal I've ever seen. He, for Napoli, he, he was just unparalleled. He was just a natural. He was, he was everything. He was the ultimate fantasy footballer. Um, and everywhere he went, John, he had this love, like the, the fans of every club uh, he ever played for. You, you know, even in Argentina now, like they're still, they, he's just, uh, he, you know, Messi's not the icon that, that in Argentina that, that, that Maradona is. You know, you, I, I, there's a lot of Argentinian people who would live here. And, you, you know, if, you, if you're talking football with them, you know, it's always about Maradona. It's always Maradona. It's never Messi. He's adored. He's adored. And, and I think as well, you have to put it in the context of, you know, Messi, Messi's very much in a team and a, a, a team that are a powerhouse in world football, Dave. And Napoli certainly weren't, you know, Diego went to Mar- to Barcelona and then there was that infamous game we, well, with Bilbao where Gaikache and there was, there was the tackles that were put in and there, there was a full on brawl in the pitch <laughs> and typical Diego, of course. All the size of him, he ended up kicking a few people and throwing a few punches and held his own as usual in the scrap. And he got he got bombed out of there and he went to to Napoli. And at the time, Southern Italy, poor relations. You know, it was I think much like England. There's a big north side, the, the north south divide that you have in England now. Um, 
it was very much the case in Italy. You know, Milan, uh, Turin, all the power, all the big rich clubs were in the north, and he just came along and like a one man uh, wrecking ball. Uh, you know, he just he just inspired them to the to the title. Um, and there's not many people, Dave, with that personality and that strength that could that could do that. He's adored in Naples. He's adored, as you say, in South America, as, as in, in Argentina. I know. I always well, not story. No, they're not. They're not so mad about him. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said in Brazil. Do you, do you know what I, I do always think about, though, Dave? Is like I remember the 1990 World Cup when Italy played Argentina in Naples in the semi, and Argentina beat them, and they were saying a large chunk of the crowd at the match were actually cheering for Argentina. Because Maradona was there, and to me, that 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 says it all about Diego. Like you know, we've, done a, we've done a pod on that. That was a horrible Argentina squad, and they were yeah. fucking hatchet men. Like that was yeah. a complete team of hatchet men around one complete, just absolute amazing player that was Maradona. You, you know, and and you know, we, yeah. we think of maybe later on the Argentinian side. That's that you know, looking back, I remember a goal. I forget which World Cup it was. Um, the Argentinians scored something like 30 passes and the Cambiasso scored at the end of it. This wasn't that type of Argentinian football, you know, it evolved. I think that was more sort of 2006 and, you know, back then they were still like the old hatchet men, the old South American hard men, you know, and back then you used to, you used to look at anybody who came from South America, you know, they always went in studs up, let's say. That was, that, that was their, their MO. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that team would never, in any other, in, in any other era, in any other set of circumstances, they would never have won a World Cup. But they had, in my opinion, the, the greatest player of all time. Um, I know we talked about Maldini. There is an argument for him as a defender, but I think um, in football, the, the 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 most important thing, the most difficult thing to do in football day for me, is scoring goals. Uh, you know, as part of a defense, sometimes you're you're organized, you're a unit, but as an attacker. Sometimes you just gotta go and, and sort it out yourself. Uh, I think that's why for me Diego was the was the greatest. Um, you see, in Brazil here, for example, you know they they they, they, they whenever you mention Pele, Maradona, sort of thing, you know they discount Maradona because of uh, the drugs and you know things like that. And his career wasn't as long; he didn't play as long as Pele. But you know Pele didn't play in Europe, so there, there's a big argument, you know. I, I can only base players at my age on what I saw um, and, and, and the skills that they brought to the table. And I, I don't consider it over, you know, it could have been over 10 games, it could have been 20 games, or it could have been 20 years. But, you know, for, for the likes, obviously, George Best we're going to talk about was a much shorter career. But what he did in there, no one else has ever done. Maradona is very much the same in, in, in his career. Nobody has ever really eclipsed it. You know, we talk about Messi. But then, as I say, we're going to talk about the conditions, which was sort of level the playing field a little. Uh, and then you actually realize just how good these guys were. Um, you know, uh, there's a sports scientist that, 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 that we work with, uh, Simon Brundish. And I, I was writing an article at one point, and, and, I, and I was trying to get a balance between, you know, the George Best era and the, the, the Lionel Messi era. And he basically said, you know, if you can imagine the football boots of this era were like, you know, having two telephone directories strapped to your legs. Uh, and, and you know the you, you know and the football was like twenty times the weight of, of a football today, and the pitches were like you know an, a ploughed field. There, whereas as you've rightly said today, it's just, it's, it's just perfectly smooth surface. 
knitted boots. You know, you glide on air. Bowling greens. You know, bowling greens, and, and you're gliding and, and, on air. I think somebody said it, they're playing on bowling greens with balloons. You know, really, yeah, really exactly. light football. The ball is so light. D- designed you know, to swerve. You know, balls that are designed to swerve, and they've got boots like predators that make them like, do all these things, and they get unparalleled protection from referees. You know, any, like, Dave, we, we, do you remember the, the big thing about the tackle from behind? Do you remember that was all? The tackle from behind will be outlawed. Do you remember that? Oh, um, I remember it very, very well. I never understood and Dave, it myself. You don't, even see, you, you don't even see it anymore now. I mean, tackles from behind, you basically, if someone goes in now from behind, it's like, oh, well, he's getting sent off. You don't even see it. It's been totally eradicated. Yeah, in those days, that was the number one defensive weapon for dealing with a player like Maradona. You know, just go back through the back of him, through his ankles, take him out, take the ball. You know, you could always plead in them days. As long as you took the ball, it didn't matter if you sort of half broke a man's leg, but if you got through and got the butt of the ball. Yeah, but but <laughs> the worm came back. There was no health and safety. You want to there was fuck no, around and with. you know these, you know, and that, but it's a real valid point, Dave. And kids nowadays who watch Messi and they and they watch Cristiano. And don't get me wrong, these guys are freaks. They're phenomenal players. They're phenomenal players. But, but if, I but will if you for want to take that group of three. If you want to take that group of three, George Best, Pele, Maradona. They were they for in my money they are. I didn't see that much of Pele. He was just before my time. Um, to, you know, to re- I saw him in New York Cosmos whenever he used to play there, um, which wasn't the highest point of his career. Uh, but but don't, don't get me wrong, he was a special player. But I would still rate them higher than what we're looking at in, in yeah. you know, the three that we talk about today, or the four even, you know, the, the front three from Barcelona and, and Cristiano. Exactly, Dave. And I mean, this is it. I mean, this is it for me in a nutshell. With everything in its modern condition put in there, and put Maradona in Messi's place in that team with his ability on modern pitches with what he could do would he be would he be able to do what Messi does for me it's not even a question of course he would I mean the guy was the guy was just out on his own he could deal with the kind of tackling and physicality that Messi would can only dream about I mean you know yeah, uh, you could argue about it. Listen, there's arguments both ways, but for me, every day of the week, out of Maradona, it's still. For so me what about best. what about the real Ronaldo then? Have you ever seen a finisher uh, just like that? Uh, you know, I know, I know, I know you're a big fan. <laughs> I know you're a huge fan of Van Basten, but seriously, yeah. this guy was the real deal. And and uh, sadly, yeah. his career ended too soon. But I've did. never seen a, a finisher just as clinical. Just yeah. as deadly as, as as Ronaldo was. No, he was he he was an unbelievable finisher. He, and and it was the way he finished too. I, I've never seen a player that you know they used to say about Ian Rush at Liverpool that Rush was a as you'll acknowledge, David, he was he was an unbelievable striker. He, and he had a great knack of taking the ball round the keeper, but no one could take a ball round a keeper like Ronaldo could. Um you, you know, the, the the real Ronaldo. Um he he had the quickest he had the quickest feet I've ever seen. You know, his step over people try his step over. No one could do a step over like 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 Ronaldo. Um his balance, his strength, his ability to nutmeg people. Um the way he could just stride over a ball and shimmy both ways and 
Dave, he was just an unreal player, and I, I know he was he was brilliant at PSV, and then he went to Barcelona, and he only really had I think one season at Barcelona under Bobby Robson, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe he did. It was it only one? <laughs> I was trying to remember. What, I think it was one. I think it was one. I think, I think it was, he scored yeah. 40, 47 goals. But that's just, that's just a bigger return, really. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that was standard for him. But I remember one of the goals was where um, you know he picked it up on his own half, and there was a guy just kicking at him, trying to trip him, pulling his shirt, and he just held him off. It was some lower grade Spanish team, but it was. Uh, uh, you know, it was in, I think it was in the league, but he basically, the guy was holding off, he, the guy was hanging off his back basically for about 20 yards of his run and he just stayed on his feet, the strength of him, he was like a bull and he dribbled and he dribbled and he dribbled and he just went around another few players and he kept his balance and put it in the net and he was just, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of him. Dave Hendricks said it earlier about him and I totally agree, I totally agree with him. If he hadn't have had the injuries, which were horrendous injuries, the real, you know, the Achilles and the really bad surgery that he had, to me, he would have become, uh, he would have become the greatest footballer of all time, Ronaldo. He was, he was. And you know who I blame, John? Because we need to blame somebody for this. And I blame Nike. I blame Nike. Because yeah. the contract that they had with Brazil at the time, he was their star and he was rushed back to play for Brazil when he wasn't ready, a lot of times. And well, he played, a, only, he, pl- he played a World Cup final after... Yeah, he played a World Cup final after having a fit. Yep. Which should, and, and, if, I mean, and, and if they were prepared to do that, John, what were they doing with other injuries? That's the question I have. And that could be... You know, it wouldn't happen in today's world of, of, of you know, medics within football. And, and certainly not over a, a sponsorship contract either. I think... I think that that had an adverse effect on his playing time, and it's such. And, and if I'm correct on it, it's, it's only my belief. But if I'm correct on that, it's a tragedy for world football that, that we, we we lost him as soon as as quickly as we did. Uh, it was an awful waste, Dave. He was he was in my lifetime of watching strikers, without a doubt, the most gifted. Without yeah, and, and mine as well. You can add ten years onto that again for mine, John. And still, I would I I would be find it very hard to disagree with you. Uh, very, very hard to disagree with you. Uh, what about Van Basten? I know you, you, you love him. I love Marco Van Basten. I think, you know, I, as I said at the very start, I, I, I was, Saki was for me, I, I was really torn about Saki, and then I thought, well, he had those four great years, and he was an innovator, and he'd done all these things with football that are still being copied today, but, uh, and a big part of that was that Dutch Hullet Rijkaard Van Basten. Van Basten was just, uh, um, a freak of a centre forward he was you just watch his goal at um, Euro 88 that final uh, oh, for Holland what? against you know awesome. Van Tegelen how, how, how does anybody even do that John and he meant it <laughs> yeah, and he meant it of course he meant it it was Marco he scored goals like that for Ajax <laughs> before he before it's he went to Milan angles. impossible ah, yeah. angles Impossible angles. There's a goal, actually, if you look it up on YouTube, there's a goal, an overhead kick he scored for Ajax, where I swear to Christ, he actually, he does an overhead kick, Dave, and he actually puts curl and swerve on it. Another way an overhead kick's normally just, you, you thump it in. He actually yeah, did dumb. one that, that he actually swerved in off the post. He managed to get a bit of curl on it, even though it was an overhead kick. Um, just with a, you know, fantastic technique. Brilliant. Um, 
big part of Saki's Milan, his partnership with um, you know with 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 Rijkaard, um, with Hullet, um, phenomenal player, um, excellent both footed, could could score headers, could score volleys, um, top ends, every type of goal as a striker you would want, and he was just relentless. You know, I remember there was a game, I think it was Fiorentina or somebody back in the day when they were rampant and they won 7-1. And I remember watching it on a Monday night in RT and I was just like, this guy is just out of this world. You know, he just, he was just ramming goal after goal and ended up, as I say, four, maybe four goals. Um, I love him, Dave. Um, just brilliant. And I think his sort of ability to poach and score brilliant goals in the box, coupled with Ronaldo's ability to just get the ball and just take the piss out of anybody who tried to mark him. Um, I don't think with Maradona, Zidane, and Hullet behind them that that team would have had too problems. much problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would I be think okay. I, I think they could have well, this stoke uh, away, even on a, on a oh, wet night. On a cold, rainy night. I think they'd handle it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I forgot. I, I didn't even get the same. I'll, I'll do it for the next pod that I do. But Zico was my other uh, midfielder. But we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll leave me something to talk about in the pod that I'm doing the 28th. So I'll save him for then. Um, and, and for me, then I just want to say about George Best. And, and for, for any any of our younger listeners out there, if you don't know about George Best and you've never seen George Best and you think he's just an old alcoholic, I would sort of suggest <laughs> that you go and, and familiarise yourself with this guy because he is absolutely outstanding. He's the greatest player that I ever saw. And you can forget your Maradonas, you can forget your Pelés. Yes, they're up there, but in, for my money, in my opinion, in my lifetime. And, you know, okay, as a kid, I, I, I was very lucky and fortunate enough to have a kickabout with this guy. Um, and he just, for me, epitomizes just everything. You'll never see anyone dribble a ball like this. He, he was just a force of nature. He's on a different planet. He's on a different, completely different plane to everybody we've ever spoke about. He was phenomenal. And, and John, I don't know what your memories or thoughts about him. Obviously, it is only just video memories. But what did you think of him? From the footage I saw and some of the documentaries that have got better over time, um, as especially I think there was footage of a game at West Ham or against West Ham at Old Trafford. And there's no the doubt six. about it. Dave, uh, <laughs> he, he had balance like no one I've ever seen. And I, and I genuinely mean that. He... He had balance like no one. You know, you talk about turning on a sixpence with a ball. He he was just like an he was. I think some wee skinny legs as well. Aye. Like, he, he felt like yeah, nothing. he was like, he's as slippery as an eel. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am sort of biased because I now live in East Belfast on the on the Craggy Road, and uh, my wife teaches in the primary close. school. <laughs> my, my wife teaches in the primary school that he went to in Nettlefield, so I'm always a, I'm I'm going to be a bit biased, but. He had something about him that he had a way of playing football that I don't think I've ever seen. And I'd always take the opinion of like when I was over and and I've been over many times, obviously watching our our Liverpool. Um, and I remember I was in the Sandon after a game, Dave, and I was chatting to an old guy. And uh, and this old guy was in the, he was in his seventies. It's a couple of years ago, and. It was the usual, uh, it was a pretty shit match. Liverpool just drew one each. I'm trying to remember who it was now. It doesn't even matter. But I, I got chatting to this old guy and I was just chatting to him about Liverpool and he was a bit like you, Davey. He was a bit older than you are now, <laughs> obviously. But he, I'm not fucking he, 70. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he was just chatting about, 
you know, he was he was just reminiscing on how he'd seen them all, how he'd seen Paisley's Liverpool and Shankly, and I've seen all the players and Sunas Dalglish, and he was giving off about some of the boys now and the money they earn, as you would do if you'd seen those players. But yeah. I, but I did ask him. I asked him. I said, like, you know, who was the best player that you've seen? And he goes, you've just said it. <laughs> he said, you know, he said he's the best, George Best. I go, really? And he goes, yeah. And he just said to me, like, he just said there was nothing like it when he got the ball. He goes, it was pure panic, pure terror. He just said when Absolutely. he got the, when he got the ball, you just knew it didn't matter what was set up or what was organized. This guy could just. He could literally just decide, I'm going to run it in. He could never get the ball off. He said he could run, and he said it was just like the white knuckle ride, as they talk about, of, of watching George Best. I think it was Alan Edge's book. Alan Edge had a book he wrote about Liverpool, which is called Faith of Our Fathers, which if you're a Liverpool fan, you should read it. It's a real sort of, it'll stand the test of time of what is one of the great Liverpool books. Um, and there's a bit of that about Best as well, and, this guy was exactly the same sentiment as that book, Dave. The the best ever at Anfield. Um, just a a genius, an absolute and, and, genius. You know, if, if you watch these old videos often, the thing that you need to you think people miss it. They don't look at the, the the surface, the playing surface that they're playing on, because you're mesmerised by the skill. But we see whenever you take the time to actually look at this ploughed fucking field, because that's what it was <laughs> back in those days. Yeah. There was virtually no grass on some of the pitches. And there was no under heating. There was. Was it Chelsea, the goal? I, I think about what you're saying there. There was a goal scored against Chelsea, and it was a bog. It looked like a ploughed Yeah, team. well, Stamford and Bridge r- back in the 70s always was a bog. It was always... <laughs> pat, you know, it was and it was like Ron Chopper Harris, one of the most notorious yeah. hatchet men in English football. Best <laughs> running through on goal. Harris tries to break his leg about 40, 30 yards out. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. Tries to break his yeah. leg. It's pure filth. But he, Nowadays, he's you just, just wouldn't get him. Too fast for him. He gets a sort of a foot on him with a kick. Um, it's so dirty. And Best just balance, just glides over the, the, the muck. Still keeps control of the ball. Just, you know, just dismisses him. Uh, even though it's, and that's, and that's it's another a, Another aspect of that time, John, as you say, the players, the defenders back then were going for you. It's not like yeah, going for you. Hurt you. They were fucking, they were out to do you damage if they could possibly do it. And, and not only Dave, did he stay in his, not only did he stay on his feet and waltz over he it, scored and, too. <laughs> he, he, he walked it round the keeper. That's what I remember about that goal. He yeah. he not only had the presence of mind, like he just tried to have somebody try and kill him. <laughs> Basically, goes through at pace, shimmies, pretends to hit it. The keeper goes down, waltz around him, waits for another defender to come back just so he can take a piss out of him, and then passes it by him into the net, and it's. And, yeah. I, and I think there was there was another game. He scored six against West Ham. Now you're talking about back then. West Ham were a, were a bloody good outfit, and he scored six by himself in one game against West Ham. Like you was it West see, Ham? Never see, was it? I West believe Ham? it was. Yes. I thought it was Northampton. <laughs> was it? I thought it was. It was North, well, they're formidable, according to Roy Hodgson. So that's even that's even better. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> right, can't, he, can't resist. Resist. <laughs> The formidable uh, Northampton, he scored six goals against that side so much better. <laughs> but uh, for me, just a force of nature and, and just something I don't think, uh, maybe my mind's closed to it now and maybe it is the conditions that, that, that I just can't, I can't get, I think Lionel Messi's a wonderful player, John, don't get me wrong, I think, I, I, I love watching Barcelona, I love watching that front three, 
but it, any one of those front three are not fit to tie the boots of George Best, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe even Maradona. In that, you know, we can use the two in that example. Um, Ronaldo's a little bit below. You know, I'm talking about Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, um, would be a little bit lower than those two, in in my opinion. But certainly, wow, just wow. So listen, let's get into the benches, John. Uh, before we run into fucking New Year here. <laughs> I was going to say Boxing Day was optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not, I'm now looking like losing New Year. Listen, who, who who are your five on the bench and why? Oh, Jesus, this was so hard. I, I'm going to get it out of the way, and, and Dave, you're not going to like this, but I've got an Irish, I've got an Irish, I've got an Irish man and a and a and a mank. Oh, you must be Paul McGrath, then. You spoke about it earlier. It's it's not Paul McGrath. It's no. It's the best midfielder I ever seen playing the Premier League. Roy Keane. Oh, Roy Keane. Uh, yeah, I kind of forget him. He didn't really happen in my opinion. He was far too good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I'm just going to say this because like, the thing with Keane is, you look at some of the names and you go, "Why is Roy Keane there?" Roy Keane is for me the you know he's he's the greatest Irish player of all time, um, and he's. He, he was a phenomenon just the whole way through when he came through from Nottingham Forest. He became Ferguson's general as in United's greatest ever era. In United's greatest ever era and United's greatest ever teams, he was their best player. And I don't give a shit what anybody says about, uh, you know, your fucking Beckhams and your Giggses and your Skullses. Get, you know, clear off. Get, get a grip of yourselves. Those guys were nothing without Roy Keane. Man United could have functioned without Paul Scholes. You know, they tried to sign, Ver- they did sign Varane to replace him. When they beat Juventus in Turin 3-2, Scholes wasn't even in the team that night. Nicky Butt was started ahead of him. There's this whole myth about Paul Scholes. Um, because when he came back from his retirement and he'd done all these, he came back into the team and all. These guys weren't fit to lace his boots. Uh, Roy Keane dragged Ireland to World Cup single-handedly. Ireland teams that had no right to be there. The beat um, Louis Van Hall Holland team that had just three, four times the talent. Um, and they beat it because they had Keane. He was a driver. He was brilliant on the ball. Probably one of the best passers of the ball over 10, 15 yards you could ever see. And I know that sounds stupid, but he could just zip a pass, never give it away. Brilliant defensively. Leader. Um up against the Dan Davids, that Juventus team. I'm going to stop, Dave, because I know it'll annoy your, <laughs> it'll annoy your head. Roy Keane was fucking unreal. He was an absolute monster of a footballer. He would have graced any team in the world when he was at his peak, any team. If he'd have went to Real Madrid or he'd have went to AC Milan or Barcelona, he would have made them better. That's how good Roy Keane was. Uh, brilliant. So for me, him, striker-wise, so many options. I've gone with Baggio. Um, Roberto Baggio, Dave, don't think we need to say anymore. Uh, oh, wonderful awesome. player. Awesome player. Wonderful player. I need to have a backup goalkeeper. I mentioned Oliver Kahn already. I've gone for Oliver Kahn. He's a great leader, great physical presence of a, of, of a keeper. Brilliant. Um, Dave had him and his team. Right card. Yeah. You know, absolute Rolls Royce of a player. Graceful, powerful, could do everything with a football. Part of that Saki team, which is probably the the greatest club team of modern modern era football that we'll see. And then I've gone with another one on my bench, the final one, Dave, for the, the defence. And I, and I did think about him, as I said, when I was picking my team, Jurgen Kohler. I think Dave put in good reasons why he was in there, but Jurgen Kohler, yeah, for me, one of the best. 
I went for cumin for that bit of extra flair <laughs> in my team. But Kohler was all round, just brilliant. Great, great defender. Um, I think with that team and that bench, you'd have done all right. You, you, no, you would have been all right. Have, you'd have managed. Indeed. Well, <laughs> the first, the first one on my bench, I want to, I just want, just like Keane, I want to talk a little bit about because Paolo Maldini ruined the, the, this guy for me because I couldn't put him in the team because Maldini's so good. But Roberto Carlos, John. You know, yeah, okay, he, and also, and he's not a pure left back. He's 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 everything up the left. You know what I mean? You don't need anything else on the left. He's he's your fullback. He's your attack. He's he's everything. And a free kick on him, like Jesus, he could a dead ball specialist. To me, this guy's just the epitome of what used to be Samba football. It was the last dregs of, of Samba football. You know, and and such an intelligent player too. Defensively, he wasn't. You know, he certainly wasn't in the Maldini mold of, of defensively, but going forward, you know, from from his position, there was just nobody like him. I had never seen anything like him again in the world of in Roberto Carlos, and it took it, it's, it's a testament to Maldini that Roberto Carlos is actually on my bench. That's that's how highly I rate this guy. You know, yeah, um, yeah. No argument for me, Dave. He was. He was do, you remember, do you remember the Bartes free kick? Bartes didn't know what day of the week it was. I always um, remember that was Le, Le Tournois, wasn't it? Was this French yeah, tournament yeah. they had before the World Cup or whatever? And yeah, I, was, I think it was pre-confeds or whatever. I don't, I don't know what the hell it was, but it, you know it, what, it was Dave, special. You'll not remember. You, you you will remember this. Do you remember we were being linked with him at the time, Liverpool? And it was like Liverpool yes, might was, have a three million bid for Roberto Carlos. And we were all sort of going, oh, I wonder. And, uh, and now I look at what we ended up with. I'd laugh back over the years. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. If he'd have gone, if he'd have gone there, he'd never played left back because he would have, he was far too useful as an as an attacker. He was he was a force of fucking another one that's a force of nature, right? So to run through the rest of mine, so as we can get uh, I can get some dinner maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I picked secondly uh, Mario Kempes, who again was uh, as I spoke earlier on, I spoke a little bit about him. He was the goal scoring hero of the seventy eight World Cup for Argentina. And, you know, just a very sort of he was just a strange looking player. He just had that that sort of iconic look about him. And the goals that he scored in that tournament just you know, he he between him and Passarella, I've I've made this earlier on in the pod, those were the two standout players that won a World Cup. You know, I know Maradona won on his own and whatnot. But for me, the seventy eight team was Kempis and Passarella. They, they were the two that, that stuck in my memory to this day when I think back on that World Cup. Those are the two two names that just uh, just addicted me to football. You know what I mean? It, it fueled the addiction. And third up, and I have to include him, and and, and I have to include him, and and, and to, at the expense of Pat Jennings, which is really fucking pissing me off because I love Pat Jennings as a goalkeeper. There's no goalkeeper on my bench. I had to put Pele in. Um, you know, for, for what he contributed to the game, and he was playing in my time. His contribution. I live in this country now, John. I realise what this man is here. You know, he is beyond God in in a, in a religiously fueled country. He is above God, and as Dave rightly put it, his image is impeccable. You cannot say a bad word about Pele. Nobody can. Um, you know what I mean. He he's the voice of everything in Brazil. Um. And, and and he's like the old grandfather of the country. And, you know, he, he does have a sort of special place with me. But, again, at the expense of Pat Jennings, that says a lot. You know what I mean? Um, you know, obviously, did you ever see much of Pele, John? You know, very quickly. 
Nah, do you know what, Dave? Obviously, a lot of people say he's the greatest ever. You look at his over a thousand goals. Jesus, hard to argue with anybody who scores over a thousand goals. Well, but no I, I, videos. I, I, obviously, videos, Dave, and, and the the dummy around the guy in the nineteen seventy World Cup and uh, some of the goals he scored as a as a teenager in World Cups as well. I've seen the footage and yeah, I, he looked he looked amazing. He looked amazing, but never never seen enough of him. Obviously, just. Not like nowadays where you get to see every yep. wee trick. Every wee trick Messi does now is on a gift or a, within seconds. Yep. And people are like, yep. look at this, look at this. You know, I, I'm quite sure when, when Pele was playing in Brazil, he was doing stuff like that as a 16, 17-year-old. You know, Absolutely, he was. Every other and, and week, this is the thing that, you never see it. You're in a multimedia generation, and, and these are players who came before that. And, and you, you, they, they didn't have the, the, you know, we don't know as much about them. Jesus, you know, we, we, we know when Lionel Messi fucking goes to the bathroom for Christ's sake, you know, it's, it's, that's the world we live in. We knew nothing about these players back then. And, and there was a bit of mystique about them. Um, but you know, for, for me, I think the only blot that, that, that Pele wasn't in my team was the fact that he never played in Europe. And, you know, and, and I know we had Tim Vickery in this pod during the year. And as he said, a lot of those goals that he did score were in the state championships here. And the one thing that hasn't changed over the years is the standard of the state championships, you know, because you play very, very minor teams. It's like, it's like Manchester United playing, um, a Vauxhall conference side. You know, I mean, there's no real competition in them. It's goals for goals sake. Uh, yeah. It was it was a thing. It was a thing that made me cause uh, have cause to doubt Neymar whenever he moved to Barcelona because a lot of his greatest moments came against these very very lesser teams in in the in uh, the Sao Paulo um, State Championship. Uh, but he proved me wrong. He made me words, <laughs> which makes me think him. maybe Pelle would have proved it wrong too. <laughs> uh, I, I, yes, maybe, I, I but, sort but of suspect Pelle would have done all right. But, but, a good but there is. There, there is always that question mark over him, and it maybe is the only question mark over Pele was the fact they never made it to Europe or where the others did. Uh, next on my bench, again, we, we discussed him earlier in, in the show, was Alan Hansen, and, and he just couldn't fit in to those two two iconic pillars that I have as as uh, as, as defence. But he is the next best thing, and if you, and if he was coming off the bench, you would just relax because you're bringing in nearly a like for like. Um, he was just Hansen was just magnificent, uh, you know, uh, for, for Scotland and for Liverpool. He was magnificent as a player, and and to, to round off my bench, and, and, and I think maybe because of the age thing, and, and I was surprised. I thought maybe you might have seen him play, might have been in your eras. Was was the great Johan Cruyff? Um, oh yeah, again, not enough of him uh, to to put him in, but no doubt he would have been in there. If, I've seen more of them. Oh, without, without, without a doubt, you know. Um, I know that Adam Lallana role models himself on him, but <laughs> Johan Cruyff was, I think I'm talking, oh. you're talking other universe, other, other, complete other universe entirely to, 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 to what, uh, to what you see for that. And again, just a magnificent player. And, you know, they, 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 during the Hullet era, who, who we've talked about as well, you know, they, they used to talk about the sexy football. I'm sorry, Johan Cruyff created that uh, in that Dutch side. You know what I mean? I, I spoke to other players alongside him. You know, the Van der Kerkhoff twins, they were fucking exceptional players. The Dutch over the years have produced some magnificent players. But for me, still, to this day, the finest is Johan Cruyff. By a long, long way as well, John. He was absolutely magnificent. Again, I take it you didn't see anything of him really in his pomp. No, I, I didn't. I, I, I. I mean, I've seen the footage of the 74 World Cup and that turn 
And, uh, you know, you see that turn so many times, especially with Alana trying it, but, you know, Cruyff actually did it in a proper area of the pitch where he actually hurt a team. <laughs> and, he, and he did it effectively. And uh, some of the goals he scored, the volleys. No, it was clear he was. I'm, I'm sure if I was, you know, if I'd seen more of him, I mean, bear in mind the 74 World Cup was four years before I was born. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure if I'd seen more of him, um, he'd have been in my team, Dave, but he's got a brilliant reputation as in world football. Um, and from the footage I've seen, rightly so. No, absolutely, John. Well, listen, time has marched on on us here, and Brazil noise is taking over. And I just to wish you a very happy Christmas, and thank you for coming on the pod. Hopefully we can get started again with you in the new year. Yes, thanks, Dave. Um, really enjoyable, and um, happy Christmas to yourself. Happy New Year to everyone. No, listening. indeed. <laughs> Indeed, and, and, and a big thanks to Dave as well there, who had to, had to disappear on us. Uh, he's a very busy man this time of year. Um, as I say, all that's left really for me to say is just wish, thank everybody for listening to us throughout the year. Thank you for subscribing to us. Thanks for taking the time. I hope you have whatever your religion, whatever your faith, whatever you believe in. I hope the holiday period goes very quietly for you. And keep tuned. We've got to, we're going to have another record, another one of these on the twenty eighth to keep you going over over the Christmas period, ticking over. And what we'll do is start up again with the World Cup and all the other great series uh, back in in uh, January again. So with that in mind, I, uh, until the next one, all that's left to say, thank you again to John, thank you again to Dave, and good night from everybody at WFI. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.